Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to a random MOB podcast episode three. Boys, opening day has happened. Opening weekend has happened. We're we're in middle of the week. Baseball's in full swing. I haven't been this happy in months. How are we feeling? And what a weekend it was. A lot of love gained and a lot of love lost. And I'm sure we'll be talking about plenty of that today. Are we just talking about baseball there? That seems a little personal. You know, I'll leave that up to the interpretation of the viewer. <laughs> um, but, but boy, was there some good get baseball this weekend. Oh, my. It was a fun weekend. It's fun to have baseball back in full swing. Some fans in the stands, a couple, you know, foul balls, something interesting going on. So I've been loving it. Last year, I realized how much I miss having fans in the stands. Um, so even having the small amount of fans has been fun to see. Although I will say, and no offense to any Rangers fans out there, watching Rangers <laughs> games gives me agita. Like I'm just nervous. I'm like, that's too many people. <laughs> it's just way. It's too a many breeding people. ground for not even just coronavirus. It just there's too many people at those games, especially for a team that is struggling so poorly. <laughs> My goodness, a lot of support for those Rangers, but. Uh, maybe the maybe the crowd will thin out in like May or June when they realize that they're not going to be above five hundred. You, you get a couple, of, you get a couple of those audience members on the field. You know, a couple extra people in the outfield help catch a couple, you know, fly balls. Super spreader of the week gets to play left field for the Rangers this week. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, I know uh, Joey Gallo's should... loving it though. That's one thing we all know. <laughs> I guess should we just get right into it? Let's do a little uh, little recap of opening weekend, right? Let, let's what 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 do you see out there? So I think uh, I think there's a lot of ways a lot of podcasts are going where they're going through every week, they're going through every gameplay, they're going through all the different stats. But I think what we're gonna do here is we're gonna just headline some of the things we've noticed the past week, just with a few teams, and just really deep dive into it, um, and just. See what we come up with. So I guess I'll take the lead here and I'll start. Guys, the Oakland A's aren't very good. If only someone told you and warned you about this before the season started. If only. Oh, who is that? I actually prepared some. Uh, I actually prepared some audio for this before I before I take this all in, and I play. So let me play that really quick. And this is this is how I feel right now. The Oakland A's are who we thought they were. And that's why we took the damn field. Now. If you want to crown them, then crown their ass. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. <laughs> Dennis Green, Arizona Cardinals' famous coach. And yeah, I think he says it the best. The Oakland A's are exactly who we thought they were. And when I say we, I mean I very much let them off the hook. I'd like to think <laughs> I'm the president of the Oakland A's fan club for people who are not fans of the Oakland A's. And uh, honestly, I don't see. And, you know, I will, uh, I will note that every. How do you rig that election? huh? <laughs> everything <laughs> I wrote about the A's, I will note that was before they did win today. So I was going to say the A's are on five, but the A's are now one in five. The A's won today in extra innings against the Dodgers. Sadly enough, you look at the box score and it does not change much into what I'm going to say. As we talked about in episode one, Matt Chapman is my AL MVP pick. And yes, it's the same Matt Chapman who is now three for 18 on the season. I had two for 15 written down. He has a home run AL MVP candidate. Sleeper <laughs> cell Matt Chapman. Everybody look out. You might miss him. Here he comes. I will be the first to admit I was hoping the MVP campaign would get off to a hotter start. Uh, but you know... Minor setback and a major comeback. It's fine. And, you know, this whole Oakland A's, watching them, watching Matt Chapman get checked to the ground by Carlos Correa over the weekend and just, like, having no fight from that coming back. It, 
It reminds me of a Jonah Hill quote, and ironically enough, not the Jonah Hill movie where he starred as a employee of the Oakland A's. Uh, it's actually a Jonah Hill quote from This Is The End, where something totally not chill is happening in Oakland right now. And let's look, <laughs> how bad is it? How bad is it? Let's look at, let's look at before last night. Let's go over the A's rankings in baseball, and I... Doubt that they changed much and probably only got worse. Mind you, this ranking is including the Mets and Nationals, who at the time of this recording of this podcast had only played two games. Hits, Oakland A's are 23rd. Runs, Oakland A's are 26th. Home runs, 23rd. Batting average, 27th. On base percentage, 27th. Slugging percentage, 29th. OPS, 28th. ERA, they got that minuscule 8.47, and they are 30th in the league. Whip 8.47? It, it, it might have dropped a little bit because they only gave up three runs today, but I can't imagine it dropped by much. Their whip, 1.89 whip of 29th in the league. They're, they were outscored 45-12 to 12 in their first five games. And best of all, they're behind only the Rockies with a batting average against of 321. Beautiful. Things are really... And they play cores, so they have a reason. But like <laughs> the the Oakland A's the, don't. They don't. That's a big and stadium. the thing is, uh, the Oakland A's. Uh, now, now here's a team that, if I want to put my, put on my uh, Chris Collinsworth voice for a minute. Now, here's a team that, if you play MLB the Show, you don't pick because you're just gonna lose. Uh, false. Um, I actually only picked the Oakland A's, and I have spanked Josh in it over and over again with the. We're Oakland not doing A's. this again. We know that you only won one game out of like twenty. Like we're not doing this. Just yeah. wait. But April twentieth is coming around the corner, and I will be live on Twitch, and I will be beating Josh again and again yeah, with the A's <laughs> with this team. As we all know, they're not that. Maybe great. not this team. Maybe not this team. <laughs> I'll put it this way: you, you get to ten innings today. Let's just go off of that, right? That's good. The hero of your day is Mitch Moreland. That's what you have to look forward to. Well, I, I, that, well that's are, why I was trying to say maybe maybe numbers are deceiving. So, I mean, the team, like I said, they have stars. They have they have a good lineup every year. The Oakland A's, they seem to put together a team no matter what's happening and they win ball games. And that's what I have. Usually I'm I'm anti that. But this year, I'm like, you know what? They keep doing it. Why am I going to doubt them? Uh, obviously, we know my Lord and Savior is Matt Chapman. I felt like they had it. So let's do a deep dive. Let's do a deep dive. My heart and soul, Matt Chapman. Before today, he was hitting 133 on the year. He did club his first homer today. So whoop, whoop, Matt Chapman. Uh, but he's only getting hard contact on 22.2% of the pitches he was hitting. 67% of the pitches he was hitting were going directly into the ground. His barrel rate is a robust zero. And he's currently at negative one at defensive run saved. It's early, but I was hoping for a better start to the MVP campaign, as I said. All right, but you know what? Let's move on. Let's move on. That's in the past. They lost Marcus Semyon, but they replaced him with Elvis Andrews. You know, a little change of scenery, bringing in a veteran to fill in that hole left by Semyon, right? I can get into that. Elvis Andrews had some years. I can get behind that. Wrong. He's hitting 056 on the year. He went over three again today. He went one for 18 to start the season with 063 batting average. Uh, his barrel rate, again, zero. Hard hit percentage, 12.5. Has a negative one defensive run saved and committed an error the other night. 50% of his contact is on the ground. So safe to say, the Elvis Andrews experience, off to a very rough start. But you know what? They, they didn't replace Marcus Semyon with one guy. They replaced him with two. The other end, Jed Lowry. And uh, do we even need to go into Jed Lowry? Because when I'm talking about Jed Lowry, who played five games over his entire two-year Met career... I think we know how this experiment's going. 
I'll let you in on a secret. He started the year three for 15. Matt Olson, the slugger of the lineup, easily the second best piece of the lineup behind Chapman. And there's even a case to be made that he's the best hitter in the lineup. How's he doing? Well, he's hurt, so he's not playing. He's four for 17 on the year with one RBI. He did hit a double, so we got an extra base hit alert for the, re- the A's today, um, which it's encouraging. But he's yet to go yard. That's his bread and butter. He's hitting the ball hard, which in this lineup is a win. But again, when I'm counting wins from a guy who's four for 17 as a win for the lineup as a whole, I think that's a commentary on how bad the A's are doing right now. And if it wasn't for Mark Canna, who, fun fact, I once hit three homers in a game off of Josh and MLB The Show with Mark Canna. Again, fake news, guys. Fake news. Facts. If it wasn't for him and his 316 batting average, 409 on base percentage, and one home run with a much more encouraging advanced hitting statistics, I don't think I'd have one good thing to say about this lineup at all. Uh, I, I'm really concerned. I'm really getting concerned. Before we go into the rotation, do we have any thoughts? Uh, you want to have some more concern? Like, they don't even have anyone to close out the oh, game. Oh, I'm getting for, to that one. Because... <laughs> Yeah, if you want to, if you want me to hold off, but, but uh, their their grand scheme of letting all of their decent players leave to other teams and hoping and praying that they can pull someone in to to have the answer to to to, to their closing situation, um, already already is not going their way. It's already a disaster out and out and out. I do have to say, I think it is a little bit. I mean, it, the A's aren't great. Let's not sugarcoat it or pretend. But it is a little bit early. To say, oh, we're going to throw them away with the bathwater. You know, Matt Chapman's still going to be a good player. He's still a good player. Matt Olson's still going to be a good hitter. Preach. The rest of them, you know, they'll, they'll give you what they got, <laughs> which isn't a, a lot. But I think, I think things will turn around. You know, it's baseball. You have ebbs and flows. Let's not act like the first couple bad games. Because no, no, for sure. It, it stinks because they had all the makings of they could have made the leap this year with the core they had last year to not to, to challenging for that wild card game to being like a consistent, they could have challenged for the AL West because the Astros are doing okay right now, but they lost some good pieces and they're going to have a tough time. And there's those angels out there. Don't forget about those angels this weekend. They did pretty good, <laughs> but, but, Greg, but uh, I, I don't think it's on them though. I think, I think this is not a player's thing. This is a, a front office thing. If you're going to trade away, keep players. Well, no, and not bring in good players to support your current, you know, athletes, your current Matt Chapman's and Matt Olsen's and so on. What can you do when you're not given anything to go with? When you're, when oh, you're not I given the agree with to you. play or to play well? I mean, say what you want to say, but, you know, the Yankees, the, I 100%, the Mets I 100% now. I 100% agree. You know, a lot of the, the, the Red Sox give their teams the players that they need. To succeed, oh, well, I would argue happen? that they're not this year. But not well, I would 100 agree with you that uh, the, the front office has mightily failed the A's. But uh, it doesn't matter what the reason is; the A's still suck. Like, <laughs> and maybe it's early, but they had so many good players leave and so many decent, well-rounded players that filled a lot of holes for them, and they developed those players on their own, and then they run off to other teams, and we already have a taste. The Oakland A's fans are begging for people like Mitch Moreland to have a, a game-winning RBI in the bottom of the 10th uh, well, to save the day for them. Like, like already, here we go. Happy April. Uh, well, I have to assume <laughs> that all of my touting of Matt Chapman's AL MVP campaign has netted us some Oakland A's listeners that hopefully we have not <laughs> lost by this point in the podcast. And they're probably sitting here and they're thinking, Tommy, 
these guys, the A's got some arms in the rotation. They got a bullpen. They they got guys that throw cheddar. I mean, this is Moneyball. These guys have been here before. Au contraire. Your 2021 ERA leader for the A's rotation is Chris Bassett with his <laughs> minuscule 5.06 ERA. Jesus Lazardo, I drafted him on my fantasy team thinking this year would be the year he breaks out. And it, it still might be. It still might be. He did pretty okay today. He he was shaky throughout, but he went ended up going five and a third, only gave up two, struck out six. But in his first start, gave up five runs, struck out eight. It was he's all over the place. He doesn't look like a dominant ace. And then I uh, early inclination is that I don't know if this is the year he breaks out, becomes an ace. Who knows? But I'm not really that encouraged. Sean Manaya, advanced stats hate him, but the traditional stats have usually been good for him until this weekend when he gave up five runs over four and two thirds and has a 9.64 ERA. I mean, I'd go on with this rotation, but I don't think we or the A's fans or any fan listening wants to listen to Cole Urban's 8.31 ERA. Uh, I don't think anyone wants to hear my breakdown of Cole Urban. So let's get a palate cleanser in here and let's talk bullpen. Bullpen. Well, before you go to there, I mean, you got to mention Frankie Montas, you know, 23.63 ERA. I mean, well, that's going to be too often. I'm, I'm, getting the, I'm getting to the guys <laughs> that, who clean up I, for Frankie. I love that number right there. That's a palate that's a cleanser. You talk about the bullpen as a palate cleanser. They just lost their closer. Well, Greg, uh, I'd like to introduce you to the art of irony because it is not a palate cleanser. It's just going to get worse here. The closer to be Trevor Rosenthal is on the IL and update we had we had our first random MLB stars update of the season today he met with a specialist who could be out for months uh but we keep trucking we keep trucking along because they have a holds machine in jake diekman right right behind him right things are okay jake diekman can fill right in wrong again he has a 27 era after giving up two runs on three hits in two-thirds of an inning on opening day he also walked one hey but the optimist in me wants to point out that he did strike out two guys so we got some we got some things to work with. I mean, I can go through each guy in the bullpen. There are some encouraging performances from the Ageless Wonder, Yusmera Petit, or the other Ageless Wonder, Sergio Roma, who's now also injured. Young gun AJ AJ Puck looked great cleaning up for Josh's boy Frankie Montas. Montas <laughs> in the in the loss the other day against the Dodgers, but I think when I was writing these notes and I was really doing a deep dive into some of the bullpen arms, I realized something. People don't want to listen to facts about the middle rotation guys for a team that's one in five because usually nobody really cares about them. It's it's just I, if a team hasn't lost by less than four runs in five games, I mean, they won today. I, I, I have trouble analyzing what their sixth, their seventh inning guy is going to do for them in a, in a pennant race because it, it's one thing if they keep winning close games. And you can really say, yeah, there there's people like bridging the gap to the closer. Like even in that tough loss on Easter uh, for the Yankees, Michael King got them out of trouble for like six, seven innings. Like he came in and he got them. He got them out of there to the end. He held that number steady. Yankees just didn't hit. But um, like that's when you talk about some guys in the bullpen. But when we're talking about Mo, Larry, and Curly right now, I don't even know who's out there. I'll be honest with you. Like, what's going on with the A's bullpen? It beats me. They're not doing something right because they're one and five. Well, like, they lost. They lost their closer early. If they could even get to them, their their rotation isn't even getting their bullpen to a spot where the bullpen could perform. Mm. I, as a team, it hasn't been a week. But Trevor Rosenthal's hurt. Matt Olson's hurt. Chad Pinder's hurt. Sean Murphy and Ramon Laureano also were hurt. Sergio Roma hurt. I, 
I don't think it's time to sound the alarms. And in full disclosure, I'm pretty sure the A's owners are too cheap to even pay for this hypothetical alarm system. Amen. <laughs> but last night, I went to go get some tacos, and I decided to turn on the A's game. And, and what I realized was that while I ordered chicken and steak tacos, my tacos, they were filled with crow. Because the A's are making me eat crow. Because all I did was tout them up all offseason. All I did was say how they were going to win. Year after year, they found a way to win without stars. And here they are. And they're not winning. And, and in the words of the great Dennis Green, the A's are who we thought they were. They're a team that's too cheap to fix the holes they had. And through that, they created some more. I just I want this to be a podcast I look back on and say, wow, I really overreacted early on that. But there isn't anything really encouraging to talk about, because even at this case, Matt Chapman could go off like I hope he does. But there's nobody around if Matt Chapman's in solo home runs. I don't know what that's going to do for you. I don't it. I'm discouraged by what the A's have showed me. So I ask you, and I, I think I already know your answers. Will this will the A's turn it around or is this just a sign of things to come? Sign of things to come. They're not turning anything around. This is the A's. Um, I don't know when, when we talk about consistency. Yeah, they've consistently had like 80 wins every year. That doesn't do anything for me. And this was, but this was the year. Like you could at least point to to positive signs leading up to this, and that this could be one year where they really start pushing forward. They could start being a contender in the division all the time instead of just barely scraping into the wild card game. But you know what? They let too much get away. Typical A's fashion. I'm not blaming the players. But some of the players aren't that good. And the Oakland Athletics as a team are not going to win games with the team that they have around them right now. It's just not happening. Like, this is a sign of things to come, plain and simple. I think it's time to request that trade from Matt <laughs> Chapman. You know? Imagine. You do the James Harden, you go, you start sitting out, and you start trying to request <laughs> trades and force a couple hands. I and think baseball is a this is not, I know this is not the point you were making, but do you kind of feel like, you know, it brings up a good point. If someone in baseball did what James Harden did, I think baseball fans would react differently. I don't think we would be like, okay with it. Uh, Not we. I'm all for player empowerment. But I think the old school baseball fan is a lot more angry than the old school basketball fan. Like, I I don't think it would fly over as well. Because no one on a team, when it comes down to it, no one player on a baseball team is so above the rest of the league and important. Except yeah. for, I guess, like Mike Trout or something that he can sit there and, and play money ball, play hardball, and try to go somewhere where, whatever the reason is, he wants more money, he wants to play better, and play he doesn't with a better do team it. around him. Right, like, <laughs> and he doesn't even do it. Like, he could. He has all the ammunition in the world up he until resigned. this year. He resigned. <laughs> well, hey, well, he, he, <laughs> he obviously saw what I see in the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, which is potential. But anyway. You know what, um, what he saw? Yeah. He knows that if he sits out, the Angels are going to be like, hey, Mike, we're sorry. Don't worry. We just got you another middle to end of the rotation starter to throw in our rotation. It's fine. He's going to have a four ERA, and the Angels are going to be fine. <laughs> no, no, no. Let's, let's not skip over this. All right. Greg just tried to prove his half-hearted point from last week or two weeks ago and say, oh, Mike Trout was thinking the same thing. I mean, at the end of the day, I think Mike Trout likes South Central L.A. and likes, I don't know, what do he get, $200 million, $150 million. So, I, you know, I don't think it's a bad decision. He's not going to go to Minnesota and go play in 20-degree weather. I mean, I think I'd rather play for the Twins than the Angels right now. I think, I think if I could pick a team right now, I think I'd rather be on the Twins. 
with Greg's favorite player, Byron Buxton. Byron Buxton, the injury freak. Yeah, he's he's my favorite player. Yeah. <laughs> a, a very consistent, very consistent baseball player. Got all the tools. How many times do you hear that about people? Oh, yeah, ESPN, anywhere that you listen to your sports news, like, this guy has all the tools to be successful. But then it's always, that's all you ever hear about them because they never put it together for one reason or other. And for Byron Buxton, it's the fact that he's ever on the field. Hey, so do I go, do I go out on a limb and call him the Greg Odin of MLB? No, hey. no, <laughs> Greg Bird. One. He's the Greg Bird. Are we ignoring the weekend Byron Buxton had? All right, one, two. Please put Greg some respect. Some good games too. Put some the weekend he had. Did he like break his tooth by butting into a stake or something? Where did I read that? Who's this? Yeah. Byron okay, Buxton. Okay. I have a month I ago no in spring training. That. He was eating a steak and he cracked his tooth. Like. That's just a microcosm of this guy. I think he, uh, I think he might analysis be, someone needs here. to tell the guy that he might be ordering a steak too well done if that's happening. <laughs> that may, he, it shouldn't he, be happening. It, you, know who, you know what? If we're talking about weird injuries like that, like that's a microcosm because he's also been hurt for other reasons. But this reminds me of a guy named Carl Pavano who used to be – he had a couple good years down in Florida for the Marlins a long time ago. Uh, but when, I remember the minute, the minute he got to the Yankees and Joe Torre – for some god unbeknownst reason, made him the opening day starter in 2005. He, he goes out there, plays like one game, and I think he sat down in the dugout the wrong way, and he bruised his buttocks or something. And then the <laughs> next week, he like pulled his thumb, and then he was never healthy. Like This is exactly what Byron Buxton sounds like. Like, yeah, <laughs> he could be great if he plays. Greg Bird could have hit 50 home runs to the short portion of right field Yankee Stadium if he played more than a week in a row. If Greg Bird's listening out there, I don't think he was expecting <laughs> to catch some heat. That, that came out of left field. Sorry, sorry. you know, hey, from hey, Greg, Greg to Greg you, here, Greg Bird, I mean, you could have been a monster. Like every other fellow lefty. Greg. <laughs> How are you going to do your fellow Greg like that? <laughs> Greg to Greg well, moment. On Greg the pod. Bird, if you're listening, I got your... Trenton Thunder bobblehead right in this room right now. So, you know, we're going to show some love. <laughs> but you just, I, I hate, I hate hearing this guy has all the tools. There's plenty of people that have all the tools and we don't have to question it because they're sitting there hitting 290 every year and producing for their teams. But then there's guys that we always talk about and talk about and talk about and nothing ever happens. Byron Buxton's doing it this weekend. I mean, he already has three homers. He's hit 400. He's spanking the cover off the ball. I mean, Byron Buxton's Ooh, doing it right game. now. I am. A, it's six game. It's a week, but everything. Any podcast that's talking baseball this week is overreacting to what they've seen this weekend, and I'm going to overreact to what I've seen from Byron Buxton. I've seen a lot of good things. <laughs> I think he's going to. Every time I'm watching the Twins this weekend, and I've seen Byron Buxton hit, every time I'm like, boy, this guy's. A, he is one of those guys that he's in the box. I'm like, I think he might go yard. That's what it feels like right now. It's, he's hot, and he's got 30 he, 30 potential. He's got a gold glove out there in the outfield. I, this could be the year of Byron Buxton. <laughs> dare I say, dare I say, behind Matt, he might finish second to Matt Chapman in the AL MVP voting. <laughs> he has played. Well, he has well, played a full season once since 2015. Did he play a full short in 2020? Terrible. No, right? 40 no. games. Damn. Come he on, has played. Byron. He has played more than eighty games, three times. I mean, but you can't. It's not his fault. I mean, guys grow up. He again. Is, I don't care if it's Byron his fault Buxton or not. Right it doesn't matter if it's his fault. He's probably a great guy. He's, he's a, he has a lot of potential. Love to, love that word potential. This how guy. Old is this the, guy's gonna be amazing. And how then old he is, is Byron Buxton? 
Well, let's see. He, he's 27. He, 20, he's, he's young. young. We're getting, he's well, young. He's getting into the peak. His body's growing into itself. He's been in the league six years. Peak. He's growing into himself. He's about to peak. At, at 27 years old, you're getting to that 28-year-old peak. I think he's going to be fine. I mean, it, everyone says your body grows into itself. Greg, your back problems, I, I think when you turn 28, I think they're going to be solved. That's that's the, <laughs> that's the thing. Hey, no, they're wow. already on the... You, you know what? To, just, to, just to make a statement here, they're already on their way to being solved because I... I am uh, on another appointment. I had another appointment today with a, a lovely chiropractor <laughs> down the street and uh, <laughs> doing some great work, um, getting a little curvature in the spine the way you want. Um, now, Ooh. on the other hand here, Byron Buxton, I think you're just curving, if you don't mind me using that, curving around the point here, which is that he might be great. He might hit 10 home runs this week, and then he's going to break his leg, and then he's going to play 10 games all season <laughs> for the sixth season in a row. He hasn't Man, played a full season since 2017. Oh, yeah, well, Byron Buxton, if you're listening, you know who is rooting for you, and know, you know who is rooting against you here. 2017. Is, what's appalling what's happened? to me is that Greg has more faith in Griffin, ha- and Griffin Canning than he does Byron Buxton. I and do, and look what's happening. Who's in first place right now? It's six games. It's six mm-hmm. games. You want to talk about guys <laughs> who aren't going to stay healthy. Let me name off the entire Angels rotation. Like Shohei Otani, awesome to see him hit second this weekend, hit a home run in his first at bat and pitch. Um, Like really just dealing out there. I love watching it. But does anyone think Shohei Otani's pitching a full season? No, he's no, not. But he's not. No, but that's, <laughs> that's the gotta, thing. Like he's <laughs> well, a great he player, though. but he needs to stay on the field. Can he? I don't know. That's that. This is where we are at this point. I think if he gets if he gets like fifteen starts over the season, I think that's a good that's a good season for him. If he's hitting, you know, I don't know. I would call it three hundred abs. At this point, are we? I think we're at the question of, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts because I don't want to be all one of these get off my lawn baseball fans. But do we think Shohei Otani should continue being uh, pitching and hitting? Should we he stick with one? If so, should he, which one should he stick with? What, what, what do you guys think? He, I think that. Uh, go ahead, Josh. Right. Oh man! Look at all the um, all the all the look at this curious common courtesies amongst the pod. <laughs> Listen to this synergy. We just want the best for the other guy. But um, no, I think he should. Why not? Because to me, as I said in, in my uh, Angels breakdown a couple of podcasts ago. Um, anything that Otani gives you pitching is a bonus. You have to look at it that way because he's going to hit well when he's on the field and he's going to fill that role of like, you're like I said, he, he has the potential to be the best sixth man in the rotation for a team in baseball. Like you, you have your top guys, uh, or top guys for them. You have Otani there as your, you know, your utility tool in, in the back pocket, you know, but that's Letting not really get what the he innings. is. He he doesn't He's have like to be ace right now. He and is, but problem. he doesn't have to be. Thank like, you. Once the, that's the problem. That's what I was gonna say. Um, you're right, Greg. He he should do both, and he can do both, and he can be great at it. Because I mean, we saw him pitch, and it was ridiculous. I mean, the way I mean, he was throwing 97, 96. Then with the slider, yeah, he's dealing not with the slider. Sorry, the sinker. Then the curveball. It's like, what are you gonna do against that? What are you gonna do? And he's a no, big, he's, he's a big guy too. So he's, you know, when he's when he's releasing the ball, he's pretty close to you. And then obviously when he hits the ball, when he connects, I mean, he hits that thing far. And yeah, he's a good, you know, good he's player a overall. He's pretty quick. Like, the line of presence. He is all around a good player. You want to call him a really good hitter? He's a really good hitter. You want to call him a really good pitcher? He's a really good pitcher. The problem will be, can he, you know, refine those tools over the next couple years? 
but he, he can certainly do it. But the problem with the Angels are they don't have anybody around him to actually, you know, take the weight off of his shoulders where he can just be one of the guys who, you know, he's probably, he's ace in terms of talent or skill wise, but he shouldn't be ace in terms of what they actually need him to do. You mean like, on a you mean rotation basis. wise, right? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, rotation-wise, what I say? <laughs> I, no, you didn't, you didn't say. So I was just making sure. I was just making sure shots weren't oh. getting fired at Mike Trout. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. Give no, Quintana let's, let's some time out there. Let him get back to form. And Bundy's looking great so far. Greg, if you're um, taking under-the-counter payments from the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, just please share it with the, the rest of the podcast. My hands are clean. My hands are clean. A, new, a new scandal out of L.A.? I just, I just know that if you have enough in your rotation – to plug the holes that they had last year in their rotation, which is Dylan Bundy and nothing else, they're mm-hmm. gonna be fine with the lineup they have out there. They're 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 just gonna be fine. But what is it now? Dylan Bundy, Jose Quintana, and Alex Cobb? Andrew Heaney's there. He's Canning's so there. Otani's playing over his head. Okay, that's it, like six good play, players right there. I, I get it. If Otani's there, it's a game changer. But I guess this is another good question: Who plays more games this season, Shohei Otani or Byron Buxton? Shohei Otani. Oh, Shohei, for sure. I well, you so. know what? <clears throat> Call me the leader of the Byron Buxton fan club of guys who are not fans of the Minnesota Twins because, yeah, it's going to be Byron. He's going to play more games this season. I'm, I'm with him. <laughs> the guy's hot. I'm with it. I just don't think – I love Shohei Otani. I love watching him pitch. I love watching him hit. I love being able to see a guy actually succeed doing things on both sides of the ball. Sounds like you love a lot about him. I do. But I don't think he's going to stay healthy, and it doesn't seem like he can. It doesn't seem like he's, it doesn't seem like he's been able to keep up with the major league workload on either end of it. Um, and I think you saw that in last year's performance. And I'm willing to give him a, a mulligan on that. But I'm just, I personally am concerned that uh, I don't know if this is really how I, I, I don't know if Shohei can continue to succeed pitching and hitting. I, Keep let him keep going. If I'm an Angels fan, let him do it at this point because I mean, if he's doing both, it's probably your best chance of success at this point. But uh, I, I just don't think long term. I don't think this is gonna work. So, so what would you have him do, Tommy? Hit or pitch? No, I t- I, I, I keep him going the way he is. You might as well no, give no, it a go. No, I'm it, just saying. Oh, if, if he, he can only both. pick one. Long term, what would you have him do? Is he a hitter or is he a pitcher? I, I, I if I long term I would probably use I was using him as a hitter I think if long term really okay really, he's phenomenal as a pitcher but um I think if you want long term success from Shohei Otani I think I'd use him as a hitter I I think so keep think- using him the way you're using him but just know that this probably won't work out long term interesting I, I I mean obviously everybody can throw hard and everyone has nasty stuff with nasty movement now um so it's not as special as it was say five ten years ago. But I, I think he's a special pitcher. I mean, I think he is. I his, think he is too. His combination of pitches is different. I just think, for me, when I look at him, I just think, and it's just in general, pitchers and hitters. I think uh, if you're if you're really trying to get long term success out of someone, he's already had some issues with his arm. I think you're better off if you want ten years of production from Shohei Otani. You're going to get that from him playing left or hitting DH and hitting. But if you have him in the rotation, I don't know how much longer. I don't know how long that is before he play, before he gets hurt again. I don't. I think there's a lot less very a uh, lot less of a variable with him in the lineup as there is with him in the rotation. Okay, all right, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. But this week, just I mean, if you think he could get injured pitching, 
all the players this week that have gotten injured hitting from let's go down the list. I, I pulled oh, it up. We got Aaron Judge. You know, he uh, pulled something again. Soreness in his side. Then Mookie Betts and... Is Aaron Judge ever healthy? No. No, I don't think so. No. I don't think so. I, I think he... <laughs> he plays through a lot, but he I think he go, I think he needs to go see Greg's uh, chiropractor. So, Greg, if you just DM, his, DM him the number... Come on down. I'll send the details. Yeah. Yeah, we need to do how something about, with it. How about Aaron Judge with the bases loaded on opening day? How'd that feel? Felt great watching him do exactly what he always does and strike out. <laughs> call, him, call him Aaron Rodriguez. <laughs> he hits a home run when we're up 7 nothing, but then he strikes Shots out. Shots fired at A-Rod, J-Lo, yeah. and Aaron Judge on that one. Well, no, A-Rod and J-Lo <laughs> broke up. Sorry about that, J-Lo. No, no. No, they're, they're back together. Loud and clear. They're back together? Yeah, they, no, they never broke up. They no, never they're not. They, they, the Instagram post said that they had they were going to work on some things. You know, they're not together. It's, they're just I letting their fans down. I want to be successful enough one day where I can hire A Rod's PR guy, who is just like, "Hey, everyone hates you, but if you become supportive boyfriend of J Lo, <laughs> everyone will love you again." And then, like, I'm watching the Super Bowl two years ago, and I'm watching A Rod like a nerdy dad dancing to Jenny on the Block. And you I'm gotta like, love it. When I'm like, when did we start liking him again? We all hated him. Not only did he take steroids, I'm cool with the steroids part. He threw everyone around him under the bus. Everyone. And was like, no, I didn't do it. And then they're like, no, here's facts that you did. And he was like, well, it was because of A, B, C, D. And this guy did it. And this guy did it. So he's a snitch, but we all are fine with it. Because A-Rod gives some good advice on Fox MOB. And now he uh, he's dating J-Lo. So we're good. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I opened the can of worms with A-Rod slander. <laughs> I do apologize. But I really think... That's our indication that we need to take a little break here for a second. I think think so as well. (laughs) I think so as well. All right. We will be back in just a couple seconds. All right. Today's podcast is brought to you by... Okay, obviously, we don't have any sponsors, and I was lying there. But I want to take a second to plug the guy who makes all of our music, Dustin, and his project, Pace. Follow them on Instagram at PaceBandNJ or find their music on Bandcamp, Spotify, or anywhere you get music from. Great guy, better music, or great music, better guy. It goes either way. Regardless, go support them. Now, back to the pod. And we're back. What a short break, guys. You feeling refreshed? Got a little stretch out real quick. Kyle Higashioka with the game-tying RBI single to right. Tyler Wade scoring from second. Tie game over there in the Bronx. You know who's not feeling refreshed? The list of guys that Josh has who were injured, right? Who got injured this weekend. Uh, it's been a really rough weekend for injuries in baseball. Yeah, right off the so Josh, bat. Josh, why, why don't you give us a lowdown? Yeah, you know, I got up and tried to stretch a little bit, did the splits, pulled something, and it reminded me or brought me back to earth of what's happening in the league right now. So every player <laughs> you like is hurt right now. We talked a little bit about Aaron Judge before the break. Mookie Betts and Cody Bellinger are hurt. Mookie Betts has some lower back stiffness. Bellinger, calf stiff soreness, so everyone's having a little tough time. George Springer of the Blue Jays, he's going to be on the IL now for a couple days, at least 10. The great player from the White Sox, Tim Anderson, he's been put on the 10-day IL with a left hamstring strain, and man. Listing a lot of my fantasy team right there. It doesn't get better from there. So then the closer that I picked to put on my fantasy team was going to you know, kind of bring me home. Trevor Rosenthal, we talked a little bit about earlier. He got hurt. He's going to be out for at least three to four months now. So he's done. Tatis, ooh, I don't know if you guys saw that video, but that was tough. That, to me, it almost looked a little it bit like... It didn't look good. 
like Kevin Durant in the playoffs, like it must have yeah. been what, two, three years ago at this point, where you could see his calf like clench up. It didn't look great. Conforto, Conforto had a similar injury. Uh, I would say about maybe it's three years ago now, um, where he swung on the last pitch of the, like last game of the season, and he dislocated his shoulder like that. Those just look nasty when they're happening, and and they don't look encouraging as a fan because you're like, oh, nothing. There was no contact. There was nothing happened here. He just swung a baseball bat. But luckily, it looks like it's just going to be a partial dislocation. You know, everything looks pretty fine. He should be back in a couple days after they put him on the 10-day IL. He should be back, you know, a couple days after that. Key Brian Hayes of the Pirates. He is going to be put on the IL again. James Paxton and Jake Fairley. I believe it's how you pronounce his name from the Mariners. Two guys from the Rays are down. I mean, this is just piling up, guys. It, it, it's almost bad. I, I don't even want to keep going. Uh, the last guy we'll talk about is J.D. Davis of the Mets, who got hit on the left hand while he was at bat, and it doesn't look good. There's no word, at least right now, on his status. Yeah, I think they're they're treating it as like a bone bruise now, but he's going to be gone for a bit. It seems. Yeah, those are always. So whenever you get hit on the hand by baseball, depending on where it hits you, you know, you get hit on the top of the hand, it, it might be a while. Those little bones are, are pretty tough to heal up. But let's, yeah. you know, you guys have anything else? Any other injuries you guys know about? You know, some inside scoops maybe? Uh, no, I, I haven't heard. I haven't heard the word on any on any injuries coming up this week. Uh, so no, no, I, think, no. I, I think we're good. I don't know. Maybe you guys had you know your your ear to the ground and you know some came some across Nancy the wire. Some Nancy action going on this yeah. weekend. Someone's getting a, a metal bar to the knee. I heard that. That's going down. A little cup phone. You never know. But let's go Tanya down. Harding. Yeah, we, we stop with the Mets. Let's just go down 95, the turnpike a little bit, to the fighting Phils. Hey, my next-door neighbors. If you guys have been listening, Greg, you know a lot about them. And Greg has been giving them a hard, hard time. But I think we got to reconsider the Phillies. Greg slammed them in the trailer. Yeah, because oh, completely. they're not surprising me. But go on. I'll, I'll hear what you have to say. Right? Just give me a moment. You know, just, just let me get it out. You know, you don't got to bash them already. So, I mean... We, you know, they swept the Braves. Let's talk about that. They outlast the great Jacob deGrom, and then they won again today. So now they're five and one, as we're talking here on Wednesday. Three starting, three of their starting pitchers went beyond 6.2 innings. I mean, in modern baseball, that's basically like a complete game, if you guys want to talk about it, you know, or six and two thirds, actually. Six and two thirds. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. 6.2. Nope. Nolan Eflin are on my yeah. fantasy team, and they gave me some good uh, quality starts. Yeah, they were they're great pitchers. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, and what do a lot of the NL East have? Great hitters, if well, good hitters. Let's not get crazy. If you have some good pitching to combat that, it's the best division in baseball. I, I, the Phillies. I mean, I don't know how you're going to end up on this end of the spectrum, but uh, I hate to say it, the Phillies look good, and the Phillies bullpen looks really good, like really good. Let's they, stop there for a minute. They only gave uh, up mean, six runs. The the Phils look good. I think I think the stat I heard the other day was that in sixty all in the sixty one games last year, the Phillies were leading in forty nine of them before the bullpen blew it. And the bullpen is much improved. Make this no season. mistake uh, about I can, it. I watched them all yeah, weekend. But here's the thing I'll say on the bullpen. You can't get much worse than the Phillies bullpen was last year. If they somehow managed to be as bad or worse again this year, then they would 
really not be a major league caliber team. So obviously something was going to give. They did make some okay pickups in that bullpen, right? But the Phillies are not going to be good this year. They just aren't. Maybe that's my cool. Philadelphia Eagles fan that's coming out. Yeah. <laughs> that's the justification. That's the end of the... No, 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 no. I mean, that, that was in hard. That was, Hold on. I'm not, the, I'm gonna, the Phillies are not going to be good this year. Just because. No, no, no. Just, I got some more year. things to back that. Because listen to me. Like, it takes one to know one. And the teams around this town uh, always seem like they're going to be great. Right? Uh, but they never are. They always find some way to let you down. Let's take a look at the facts from this Atlanta series that you pointed out, Josh. Yeah, they saw the Braves. I think that the Phillies had such a massive amount of luck in this series that it's unbelievable. Like everywhere that they hit the ball, the Braves could not find it. It just it, it found it was like magnetic uh, similarities finding each other and repelling each other. The ball to the glove was completely missing the leather all the time. Well, sorry, I didn't know we were doing physics today. Yeah, we are. Because, listen, if it wasn't the Phillies hitting 438 uh, with a batting average of balls in play, they're getting a little lucky down there in Atlanta when the the Braves are hitting 176. You know, there's so much, there was so much going on during the weekend where, like, a ball would just miss a glove here, just go over the fence there. And you think Atlanta's starting to come around. You have Ronald Acuna coming up to the plate, and he scorches a line drive, 100 miles per hour off the bat, and then it goes right to somebody's glove. I think I just hear I, a little bitterness right I, now, I, just to be honest. Yeah, and I, I don't know where it's coming from because I'm the Met fan here, and, I, and I've watched the Phillies take two or three against the Mets this week. And they look good. Their their staff looks good. Zach Wheeler looks dominant. Uh, he's playing like he had a little league game the other day. He went two for two, and I think he went seven to the third and struck out like ten. I think that was the the numbers there. I'm going off the top of my head. <laughs> Zach, their rotation looks good. Their bullpen looks really, really, really good. Harper looks good. Gene Segura had a walk off the other day. I mean, like. I think the Phillies are kind of getting slept on here. I, I didn't think I wasn't considering the Phillies as one of those teams that could have a shot at winning the NL East. Cause I do think the NL East is the best division in baseball, but I'm starting to think that the Phillies are a better team than at least the Nats. And it, it kills me to say this, but I think they might be as good as the Mets. I, I, I think they the might Phillies, be. I think, I think the, the Phillies are one of those teams that are going to beat themselves. Like they always have been just when you think they're good, just when you think they're about to break through. Always, always, always it's something. You we're thinking the bullpen's great, you know. The Phillies lineup has done well so far, and they, I admit they have a good lineup. I really do like it. And they have that 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 triple punch at the top of the rotation. They got Nola, Wheeler, and Eflin. Awesome. They all pitched great. The bullpen didn't have to do anything. Right? Um But you're telling me that when it gets down to crunch time, down the stretch, and an NLEs that's so packed. That's the Lord and Savior manager of your team who's going to successfully manage your bullpen in tight games is Joe Girardi. Are we forgetting that Joe Girardi has no idea how to manage a bullpen? That he almost he he pretty much single-handedly kept the Yankees from getting to the World Series that year. Joe Girardi is not who's going to lead these journeyman relievers that plug the holes I in their bullpen. Think Joe Girardi is a fine manager. That, 
Why yeah, am I he's a fine manager. manager. I think he's a fine he's manager. He's a fine manager. I think he's going to do. I, I think if I wanted, if I needed of all the managers in baseball, I think he's in my top 10 of managers I'd want in a seven game That's series. I like fine. myself. He's a Joe. fine manager who doesn't know when to start the right guys in the bullpen or pull the right guys out or but keep the, the start the, of the, the game. Is any manager well. now? Does any manager even have that authority anymore? Yeah. I mean, let's. We got to talk about I the Rays. I mean, are we even making these. We got to talk about. That was embarrassing. I mean, so uh, even this weekend, I mean, guys are just getting pulled left and right. I mean, it's early in the season, so obviously, let's not you have you go out there and pitch nine innings for no reason. But you know, even now, guys are getting pulled. The guys are getting yanked for no reason. That's kind of an interesting thing, though, because I, I I agree with you in that the it's early in the season you all waste guys' arms, but Jose Barrios uh, got pulled with a no hitter the other day, and I don't know where we've come to as baseball where we just start doing that so frequently. I've seen this happen now over and over again over the years where we're pulling pitchers in the middle of no hitters, and I don't know maybe when I was growing up when a pitcher had a no hitter nothing took him off the mound until he gave up that hit, and now it just seems commonplace. It's kind of a well, bummer. I don't like it's, it either. It's turned into a game of money. You got to protect the asset at all cost. And ironically, guys still get crazy hurt. We just went through a list of what fifteen players who got hurt. I mean, we could probably talk about their salary, and it's probably over a billion dollars. Here's something I noticed about injuries, and maybe this is conspiracy theorist Greg coming out of the woodwork. Oh, um, but I have a feeling. I have a feeling that all these rash of injuries we're seeing right now and in the last few years. Uh, has a little bit to do with the Saber metrics and the stat guys sitting in offices at Major League Baseball for these teams. Because um, I feel like the last few years, a lot of players have been getting held out of games for injuries that I wouldn't even not go to work because of. Like, like a pulled hand, like a, a pulled side <laughs> bone, or like my shoulders this hurting. This is a Mike Francesa point if I've ever heard one. <laughs> this Greg from Staten Island is sitting on his porch right now drinking a Corona. First time, long time, Greg from Nassau calling oh, in. Please, Greg, what do you want to say? <laughs> Greg from Schenectady. No. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm, I'm saying this. I bet you there's some rule in these, these analytical gurus rule book that says, we should not start a guy unless he is 100% healthy or his value will be there for zero. Because if they, they, they see a stat line and they say, if this guy is hindered in any way, he will not be a, a maximum potential for our team. And therefore, we must start uh, our third string catcher in, in center field today <laughs> because he got on base 14 yeah. times last week uh, in our virtual simulation. Greg's analyst voice is hilarious. I, I think it has something to do. Like, th- what I'm trying hilarious. to say is that this even is, like a decade ago, I, I, this, even a decade ago, players could play through even minor injuries and still be at least 85 to 90 percent successful. You know, a little bit hindered, but they you're not sitting, you're not sitting Derek Jeter because his toe hurts. Like you know, you know. But I'm re- I'm officially naming that segment first time, long time, Greg. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what that meant. I don't even know. You said a lot of things there, but I don't know what you even. I guess there is a conspiracy that analytics gurus have formed a coalition to keep players out from minor injuries. Maybe guys are just getting hurt. I I can buy into an argument of like guys don't play multiple sports in high school and now their bones aren't strong. That nonsense. I could buy into that or I could just buy into this. Guys are throwing the ball harder than they've ever thrown. They've hit, they're hitting the ball harder than they've ever hit. 
I, I think we're playing a new era of baseball, a new era of sports, and I think guys are getting hurt more as a result. I think that's just kind of comes with the territory. And also, we're coming off a shortened season, a weird off season. I think it plays into it. I think there's a middle ground. I think there's definitely a middle ground. You know, I, th- I think we got conspiracy Greg over here, and we got we got. <laughs> it's, it's not a conspiracy. I don't even. Know I'm what just that saying was. what the people need to hear. Like this has really been eating away at me. All right, I mean, speak your mind, buddy. Speak your mind. We, we gotta thank you, Greg, for Poughkeepsie. Next caller, call back in next week, and we'll <laughs> we'll let it fly. Yeah. But uh, I, I, there's definitely a middle ground. I mean, definitely, guys are pitching harder. But you know, so to your argument, Tommy, like. Do, can your ligaments withstand that type of, you know, pressure and the angles and the torque and all that kind of stuff? Well, then, you know, maybe we'll have to back it down a little bit. You know, if guys are getting hurt, you know, if if we're really thinking into analytics and the longevity of an asset, that being Jacob deGrom, that being, you know, Aaron Judge, that being whoever, Tatis, then we should think about how can we take care of these players better? What should be their optimal pitching speed? If we want to get real about it, maybe Jacob deGrom shouldn't be throwing 101 on his 80th pitch. Maybe he should be throwing, you know, every pitch. If we're going to get real detailed with it, maybe he should be, he should be throwing only at an average of, you know, 92 miles an hour from the fifth inning and on. You know, and like we ha- we would have if to only be the able Mets to- would let Jacob deGrom throw 80 pitches. Well, you know, that's a different. <laughs> well, that's part of the issue. But I think we we'll, we definitely have to. In, in all of sports, it's not just a baseball problem. All of sports, guys are getting hurt more, or as I would say more often. And it's different lag, you know, nagging injuries and weird injuries outside of, oh, I blow out my ACL, which could happen any day to anybody. But I definitely, more needs to go into the rehabilitation of these, of these athletes from a team team perspective like LeBron James who you know up until now has really never gotten seriously hurt he said he puts in what like a million dollars uh Russell Wilson puts in a million dollars per year in the offseason to keep himself healthy like but they're doing that on their own dime and certainly they have enough money to do that let's not get crazy but I think you know teams need to start bolstering up then how they develop their pitchers in a real way outside of we're going to pitch you once every three months, that doesn't do you any good. That's probably going to get you more hurt. And maybe that's what we're seeing now, to Greg's point. It's a fair point. Uh, are Maybe they're babying. They could be babying these players to an extent of you're, you're, you're not letting them actually withstand the uh, the mileage that they would usually or that they had in the past. Yeah. It's a, fair it's a point. muscle memory thing. And, you know, if you don't use it, you lose it. And when you're throwing it at 200 miles an hour, when you lose it, it's going to fly off. And that's what's happening to a lot of these players. Somewhere along the way here, we were talking about the Phillies. I need the Phillies to prove it to me. Why should I believe in them well, now? <laughs> when they have consistently started off hot the last few years and then cooled off to the point where they just keep blowing it. They keep blowing it, blowing games. Every time they have some sort of string together, the pitching finally gets together. Vince Velasquez finally throws a strike, and then the Phillies can hit a ball for an entire month. Like. Or they finally get down to the nitty gritty and then Hector Neris blows every save they have. And then they have to have a pitching by committee down there for the closer. It's never, it's always a mess. 
down here in Philly. It's never sunny for the Phillies <laughs> uh, in Philadelphia, and uh, I, I need I, them to prove me wrong wow. until I see something. Such great product placement. Them, I think over the next week and a half or two weeks, I think it'll show a lot. So they're they're playing the Braves again for another three game series over the weekend. And then they're playing the Mets the entire week, four-game series, and then they're playing the Cardinals at home and, and so on. But I think these next, was that, seven games against NL East competition once again, the same two teams that they played before, will set the tone for the Phillies, and we'll get a, a good picture of where they are. You know, if they keep consistent um, yeah. over what would be like three games for each starting pitcher about, on you know, the first top two of the rotation, we'll be able to see how they're able to be consistent. And then, you know, we'll go from there. That's all we can do. As you said, they got to uh-huh. prove it. And we'll see something in the next week and a half. You know, I, I'm with you. Uh, I'm more on your end of it. I think there is more here with the Phillies team. Uh, I think they, they're, they're a good team. They're a well-rounded team. Like I said, had it not been for the bullpen last year, they were a playoff team last year. Um I I don't see what the Phillies don't have that they need. So I think uh, I I think they're a team to watch. I, I think they're as good as the Mets right now uh, going forward. I think the Braves might be the best team in the division on paper, uh, but they already swept the Braves. So who knows? Uh, I I think the rest of the NL East. I'm a Mets fan, and I'm afraid of what the Phillies might do down the stretch here. So it'll be interesting to see. Greg, do you have any more thoughts? Wait and see is a good statement for me to end on too. Yeah. We're just going to have to wait and see, and you'll all see. Phillies uh, are going to surprise you for about a week, and then they'll be back to being the Phillies. Greg's a little preoccupied. He's forming a uh, he's forming a militia against all analytics <laughs> people in baseball <laughs> what? as they conspire to injure our players and take away our, our, our favorite players. Watch your back, kids. <laughs> all right. Well, that's about all we got today, unless you guys had anything else to add. Opening weekend in the books. Let's see where we go from here. Aside from any uh, potential injury conspiracies. I just can't even with that. That that was all on you, Greg. You know, (laughs) it was a great first weekend. Great to see fans in the stadium again. And let's hope... Let's hope that we don't have to break out too many more (laughs) Band-Aids. All right. Well, a happy Marmalade host to you and your family. Uh, Thank you, Elijah Wood, for joining us today. We will see you guys next week. 